Yo-ho! Good morning, everybody! <laughs> Look at that for a uh, intro. That's what I'm talking about. Gavin, how are you today, buddy? I'm good, bud. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Hold on. Doing, Hold on. Doing awesome here, guys. Today is May 26th, and we are going to be... Oh. Talking about closing deals today, answering your guys' questions live. Gavin Timms is joining me today here with uh, Don coming in just in a few minutes here. He's running a few a few minutes late. And uh, yeah, we are ready to you know help give back and provide some value. Gavin, how you doing, bud? I'm good, yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's been a busy... Bit of busy week, I'd say. We, uh, I was out. Well, last time we did the coffee with clothes, I was in Alabama, so we did a bunch of filming at the flips on Thursday. Then we got back Friday. It's just been crazy, like busy all week. Nice, uh, but man. good. You, you last, the, it was actually funny because whenever we uh, did the last episode, you said I'm working at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And I was th- and I was wanting to make a joke the whole episode. Like, when did you get a job at Starbucks, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you, you saved it for this week. <laughs> I saved it for this week, man. I didn't have a good opportunity, but um, yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah, good to see yeah. you, though, man. We hadn't even had a chance to talk until you know since last week. I know. So always a pleasure, always a pleasure, man. That's yeah. right. And we got some cool things coming for this group as well. We just talked about, we, this is our third episode and uh, we've been working in the background, getting things ready. Uh, so we're going to have some cool giveaways going uh, here shortly. Um, and if you're watching us, guys, please uh, give us a like, put in some comments if you have questions and also share, if you can share it onto your social media platforms. Uh, make sure you're following us as well on our YouTube channels, social medias uh as well but yeah if you guys could share it that would be awesome we want to get as many eyes uh on us as possible giving as much information away and the cool thing is we don't have anything to sell okay so we are not going to be selling anything um we're going to be giving uh any discount things that we have that we can give away uh if there's any platforms that we're using that can give you free trials or free leads that's what we want to be doing all right so we want to reach as many people. We want to try and build a community uh, where we're all trying to uh, achieve the same thing. So that's that's kind of our goal with doing this. That's exactly right, guys. That is exactly right. We're still trying to learn how, or at least me, I shouldn't speak for the group. I'm still trying to learn how to use StreamYard here. It's very cool. Got a lot of t- lot of little, little gadgets and bells and whistles, but it seems like it's a pretty cool little system here, guys. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, we are here to help, as Gavin said. And we want to, you know, answer your guys' questions and uh, do as much as we can to, you know, just give back and teach what we've learned over the years from all of the successes and probably more importantly, the failures that we've that we've come across. So drop a drop a comment with where you guys are from. And uh, if anybody has a question, I'm ready to jump right on in. Aaron says, good morning, Aaron. Good morning. That's what's up. Yeah. Someone from Facebook that's watching us from New York City. You guys rock. So, guys, so in StreamYard, if you're watching, you have to allow StreamYard to show your information. So, sorry, we can't call you by name that. Uh, we've got uh, Aaron from Houston, Texas. 
Nice. It looks awesome. like Luke's got something. He says, thanks for the content, guys. I watched last week, and David cleared up some things for me. So thanks, Luke. Thanks for asking, man. That's what we're here for. So if you got any other yeah. questions for us today, you know, drop a comment. We we love it, man. We love helping. We love giving back. So yeah, uh, looks like somebody here is checking in from Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't think yes. I've ever been to Charlotte, but I hear good things about. I flew from Charlotte. It's got a pretty big airport. Kevin, the man, Carol, right. Saint Louis. Man, that's what's up. <laughs> Steve like from it. Sacramento is in the house. Awesome. Cool deal. Awesome. Uh, so I'm going to tell you, we closed the deal on, uh, this is awesome. I don't even know if my acquisition guys are, not that he, I tell him to get on here, but he's on here last week. Um, anyway, we closed the deal Friday, a wholesale deal. Hell yeah, and good work. And it was for $8,000, right? So it wasn't nice. a massive one. Hey, who doesn't huge. need an extra eight grand though, man? Come on. Yeah. No, I know. They add up. They add up. They add sometimes up. when you do it, I mean, I mean, when I started, I'm, we, we talked about this, I made 1,500 bucks in my first deal. So <laughs> eight grand is, is still awesome. Any deal the, is a deal. But the story eyes. is the awesome part. Let's so this it. here was, um, we'd been at the closing table without the seller once before on this deal, right? And this guy is, uh, unfortunately, he's blind. Okay, and something happened before where he couldn't get to close in. Something happened, kind of didn't work out. He looked great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so anyway, <laughs> yeah, too soon. Um, so anyway, so Scotty, so we get to the closing table. Something happens in the family. He can't. His wife's left or something, and he basically can't get to closing. So we're at closing. So my acquisition drives about 40 minutes, goes and picks him up, drives him to closing with obviously the attorney there. They go over the paperwork, shows him step by step where to sign, and then drives him all the way home again to get this thing closed for him. Right. And he was really wanting to close. He was devastated that he couldn't make, make the closing. So shout out to Scotty who did that. And uh, sometimes you just got to get things over the line, right? That's what I want to point out with that. It isn't all, doesn't always go to plan. And you want people on the team that are going to think outside the box, right? I didn't get on the phone and say, Hey, I need you to go and pick this guy up. He's like, Hey, I'm on the way to get this guy to get him to close it. And, uh, and I was like, well, that's pretty awesome. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of something that kind of happened uh, on Friday. Um, so yeah, what about you, Don? How are you? Welcome. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for starting without me. This was this this is great to have three of us doing this. So it's that's part of what systems, process, and team, right? That's right. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's right. So uh, what have you been up to, Don, in the last week? I, I have been up to you know I'm going to be making a lot of changes um, in my company and a few other things I'm doing and just try to make it more efficient. You know, sometimes. <clears throat> There, there's a term I heard years ago. Um, it's easier to create new life than it is to resurrect the dead. Right. Yeah. And um, I live by that. And so, you know, there are opportunities sometimes to take something and bring it back to health, but you can't bring it back to life. So I'm looking at my organization as a whole right now. And I'm looking at the places that it's just going to be easier to bring in new life. Maybe it's new team members or a new system or process um, in the, within the organization and um, we're making some significant changes. And so, and I'm working on documenting that. So essentially I'm going to burn the house down and rebuild it. That's where I'm at. 
That's where oh, that's, wow. that is where that's my exciting. head is at right now. Yeah. Yeah. So and I've been I, burning my house down for years and I'm just still trying to get that thing rebuilt. So yeah. Maybe I can get some tips and tricks from down here. Yeah, that's all. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm so at. So what's the major pivot though? Just to just to kind of bring new life into it, or is there was there what was the reason that you're doing that? You, you know, that's that that's a great question. So and and I don't want to get into super, super detail, but just over the course of of um of the last handful of years, you know, uh, the, my organization was pumping. It was a well-oiled machine. It still is to a certain degree, um, a great group of people. Um, I, I through a series of, uh, you know, kind of a uh, wrong person, wrong seat situations. And then COVID there's been some momentum loss. I think some, some complacency, um, in, within, uh, some of my people and, um, taking some things for granted, I would say. And, you know, we've had some hard conversations the last few days and the last week about, you know, what it's going to look like moving forward. And, you know, I just, I had the epiphany that, you know, uh, it's, it's time to just break it down and rebuild it. And there are some things I would change. In fact, I was writing, um, writing an email I want to send out where basically, you know, uh, we always, we talk about perspective, right? Like there are people out there watching right now that are brand new, um, or newer that would love to be in our shoes, to have our experience, to have our momentum, um, Right now, my perspective is I'd love to be in their shoes because there's a dozen things, maybe a hundred things I would do totally different, different. within yeah. my organization, right? And so, and when I was writing that out, you know, I'm just kind of thinking like, well, why can't I do it totally different? You know, I'm in a position where I can. Like, why can't I remove some of the inefficiencies and bad habits and complacency and build it the way I really want to build it at this point in time. One of my biggest regrets is not documenting that when I first got back into the business in 2012. And so it's like, why not rebuild it now and document it? And I uh, love that. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. That's the project I'm working on amongst a dozen other things. But, uh, but are yeah. You, so are you documenting it on your podcast for the most part or were you, I'm, I'm so curious to, to just, it's going, it's going to be video podcast. Um, all of it, we're going to be documenting nice. all of it. I'm getting on the phones. I got on the phones last Friday. I don't know how to use podio really well. I'm going to be the first one to admit it. We introduced podio in my organization when I had already left um, certain positions. So like I jumped on the phones and I handled a couple of calls. I'm going to be, I'm going to be taking calls and be morning, morning, Monday morning, quarterbacking my own calls, tearing them down, um, putting them out for people to listen to. So just, That's uh, awesome just kind of getting back in the seat and getting back in the feel of it. You know, I've been at a high level of my organization for so long that it's time to get back into the weeds. And I think that's going to help me too when it, when it comes to answering questions here or other places as well. But um, ultimately at the end of the day, it's just, it's just building a more efficient machine. And that's, that's ultimately what I want to do. And uh, <clears throat> I'm at a point, like I said, now where it's, I'm ready to do it. So. Awesome. I'm excited to follow your journey, Dan. Yeah. 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 Sorry it's to put you on the little hot seat there. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you, you opened it up for it. No, it's okay. And I, and, and I want to be transparent about it because no, I think I the point, the point that I want to make is nothing's ever going to be perfect, no matter where no. you're at in your business. And, and, and so many of us try to have perfection before we even start anything. And I've been doing this for 18 years now. And uh, as, as good as my business is and has been, it's still not perfect. Mm -hmm. And there's things I want to do differently and change. And there's always going to be a job to do, even when you're completely removed from your business, you know, to have successful businesses, there's always going to be a job to do. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I think that people need to hear that people listening to this video and seeing that need to understand that, um, while the, the money's great, um, the grass is the same color on both sides of the fence, you know? Yeah. It's not all about money. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I, I look at it, you know, from when I was back in golf as a golf professional, I bring forward all the years of being in that profession into business, right? Because right. when you're on the golf course, you, there's always shots you left out there, right? It was never perfect. You never, ever, even any of the guys on the TV, Tiger Woods, whatever, comes off and goes, that was just the perfect round. You've right. left something out. You could have done something different. The decision that you made, whatever it is, there's always something. So you're exactly right. I think people, when they're new, they want to try and figure everything out. And I think what we're trying to say is you never figure it out. Right. No, I'm still it's trying to figure it out. Yeah. You're still absolutely trying to figure it out. 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And every time we think we got to figure it out, there's something that pops up and goes, Oh, Hey, there's something else to talk about or do or think about or fix. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, good, good. Well, I'm glad that, uh, you recognize that, you know, cause right. I think a lot of people would want to be in your shoes and going, well done, you've already got this, but you, it's not right for you. Right. And, uh, and you want to change that. So that's awesome. Uh, Dave, what about you? I mean, you you must have had some stuff going on in the last week, I'm sure. Yeah, we've been focused a lot the last week on um, acquire. So we, I think I maybe mentioned last week we're 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 acquiring nine rentals uh, from basically one of our friends, and uh, we're using the Burr method to acquire them. So it's super cool because half of them are vacant, half of them are rented, and we are. Um, doing some creative approaches to take it straight to the bank as a refi. So we are, and the bank's aware, we're not doing anything illegal or shady by any means. We would never do that. Uh, but we're basically, you know, buying the properties from him uh, with none of our own money. And we, he agreed to sell the properties to us at 80% uh, of what they appraised for. So we went straight to the bank and we were very transparent. And just said, hey, we want to buy these properties. We don't own them yet, but we don't really want to buy them. We want to refi them. So what we're going to do is we're going to buy them. And the seller has no, no debt on them. They're all free and clear. So he's just going to basically create a note for us. Um, and then, you know, two, three weeks later, we're going to refinance it out. Because the restrictions on a refi are less. And the actual, you know, the benefit of using a refi versus a purchase there's a lot of benefits there and mm -hmm. so we've been working really hard on that so we've actually acquired eight of the nine we'll be uh, acquiring the, the the ninth one this week and then the refis will be you know two or three weeks behind but the bank's already started on everything and uh, yeah that's been keeping us really busy um nice. other than that couple wholesales that we've been you know working on um i think since i spoke to you guys last we've closed uh two maybe three wholesales um and man, we have this fix and flip right now, guys, that is the worst. I'm trying to think of the way to word it. It's the worst house I've ever been in, in terms of like, I mean, I, obviously we've been in houses that don't have roofs, right? You can't live in those houses, right? But it's the worst house. Let's put it this way. It's the worst house that I've ever been in that somebody was previously living in. I mean, just disgusting. Disgusting. I can't even go in the house for more than 45 seconds without having to run outside and get a, a gasp of air or throw up. I mean, it, it smells so incredibly foul. It's just That's crazy. why it's better when you don't see asses, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> for that reason. That's right. So this is actually a fix and flip for us. We may end up even whole tailing it. Uh, okay. But, you know, we, we buy problems, guys. And and I think, you know, to the listeners and the viewers here today, I mean, that's 
that's really the best way to go about finding a deep discount, right? Uh, yeah. This this was a pocket listing. Actually, it wasn't it wasn't a direct to seller marketing, um, but it, it kind of it you know I mean it was still it was a networking play. You know we network with a ton of agents. The agent um, knew the the owner. It was rented, and um, the the tenants were just disgusting creatures. I think that's the best way to describe it without being too too yeah. out of line here they were they were just disgusting and uh they finally moved out a couple months before we ended up buying it but they had lived there you know a couple months previous and um we we've had two clean out crews quit two so we're on the third clean out crew and you know just to give you guys some context and not to you know talk about this for too long here but there was uh human feces in the bathtub um almost halfway up the tub nah, the whole tub so i mean just crazy. imagine how bad the house smelled when we bought the house there was uh two feet of water in the basement and they were hoarders they literally had um i mean you from like you, when you'd walk into the kitchen you couldn't barely see the countertops uh there was trash all the way from the floor up over the yeah. countertops and in some areas all the way to the ceiling so, you know, again, the, the, the takeaway here, guys, is we got a great deal on it. The owner didn't want it. What's uh, the purchase bought, on this? We bought problems. I think we don't quote me on this because my partner handles this side of the business. I think we bought it for for not 90, 90 or 92. And, you know, our goal was to put like 60 or 70 in it. So we'll be in it for, you know, just about, you know, a little bit over 150. And the ARV on it's probably 230, 240. So, you know, it's a great deal for us, uh, but I've never had a clean out crew quit, mm. let, or, let alone be on my third one. Yeah. Those guys, those guys see the worst of the worst and, and yeah, they're quitting. There's a problem. Now, I've seen a house <clears throat> like that, like you described, feces in the tub, stuff like that. But generally, they've been vacant for some time and that stuff has had time to kind of petrify and uh, the smell is gone and you can remove the tub and get rid of it in one shot. It sounds like to me some of that's pretty fresh. And the smell is vibrant and alive. <laughs> and when we bought it, Don, it was cold. So it was like kind of, I don't know if it was frozen or if it was just this, like it didn't, it, when we walked through it originally, I didn't, I shouldn't say we, when my partners walked through it originally, they were like, it, it smelled, but it wasn't like we could, we could hang out on the house for five to 10 minutes, no problem. And then when we just went back last week, like I, I, none of us. She could, stirred it up. You started moving it things. Up. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. The, it's heating up. It's it's warm yeah. outside now. You know, we're getting 80, 90 degree weather here. And then on top of that, they started moving all this trash out to where, I mean, we I can't go in the house for more than a minute without literally having to run outside. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so and bad. When, and, and for everyone listening, when you get houses like this, obviously you can't see things, right? You can't be looking at cracks in the walls. And so you have to get it uh, deep enough because you don't know what's behind all this craziness, you right? Um, yeah. So you have to get it deep enough to know literally like if we have to like knock everything down and we have to like rebuild this thing, we've got to be able to make money. I mean, we were joking guys on like, you know, we're going to gut the, gut the, uh, the kitchen and the bath to the studs and you know the joke at the office here is like we might even have to replace the studs <laughs> we don't know if we're going to get that smell out of there <laughs> oh, oh man but well, yeah, been busy i've been busy yeah. to say the least guys so that's good 
That's good. Awesome. Well, uh, we got, I think we've got a question. Well, if you have any questions, guys, put them in if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching in the Facebook group, type your questions. We're going to be able to see them all. And, again, if you could share uh, the post, that would be awesome. Share yeah, it to as guys, many share people. That would we would really appreciate yeah. that. So we had one a minute ago. Do you guys offer financing for conversion projects from four family to an eight family unit borrower needs six hundred grand? We do not offer financing. Uh, my my advice on that question would be, you know, contact a hard money lender um, or go talk to banks. Right? I mean, banks typically are going to be a little bit harder to to work with, but you're going to get the cheapest rates. Hard money lenders are incredibly awesome and easy to work with. And I think a lot of people have a misconception that a hard money lender is, is you know, a hard loan to get because of the word hard. In fact, hard money is easy to get. And the reason it's called hard money is because they're lending on a hard asset, right? They, they you know, most of the hard money lenders that I know, they're more worried about it being a deal then they are worried about your personal credit and your personal debt to income ratio and your personal finances. Now, of course, they're going to want to see some of that stuff, but they're heavily weighted on the deal, not so much on you. So to answer that question there, um, a hard money lender would probably be your best bet, especially for a conversion project that, you know, is going to be several hundred thousand dollars. You know, you're not going to be holding that for too long, most likely, or you can refinance out. You know, hard money lenders aren't typically long-term solutions. They're typically short-term solutions, uh, but it's going to be really easy to get your and What and, and what what should they be looking at? How much should hard money cost people? What do you think is a good rate or you a know, fair rate? Typically, I would say between 12 and 15%. And you may have, you know, one to two points on the front end. You may have one to two points on the back end. You may have points on both the front and the back. Typically, when points are introduced into the equation, uh, the, the interest rate will be a little lower. So if it's just, you know, an interest rate with no points, you could be 14, 16, maybe even 18 uh, percent. Typically, in my market, I'm seeing uh, most of my hard money lenders uh, are pretty competitive around the 12 to 14 percent rate um, and then anywhere from one to two points. And that could be yeah. again on the front or the back. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, there are there are hard money lenders out there right now um, that are in the nine percent range, nine to ten percent range. That's as good. Well. Yeah, so, we. Yeah. I just got one for uh, two points and ten percent, and that was through Anchor Loan, and they lend in pretty much every state. The only downside, though, is that they will uh, they'll only lend at seventy or eighty to ninety percent, depending on the state. So, Alabama, so Birmingham, Alabama, for instance. They would only lend at 70%, uh, where most states, they're normally 80. So, I mean, I have to bring 30% down to do that deal of purchase and rehab. Um, and it was two points and 10%. So I'm going to pop this question up. I'm going to skip out of order just because we're talking about this. So the mm -hmm. question was, what are the points you keep mentioning? It's a great question, Aaron. Yeah. Yes. So points are... <clears throat> So basically points, you, some people call them fees, um, origination fees. Um, we refer to them as points and it's kind of commonly referred to as points in the industry. But everybody, every even, even banks or traditional lenders will charge origination fees. And it's usually a percentage, a point or is would be like 1%, two points would be 2% of the loan amount. So if you're borrowing $100,000, 
your points, your, your percentage, uh, one point would be $1,000 and that would be your cost, um, for obtaining the loan through the lender. So, and like I said, in traditional lending is called an origination fee. So it's, they're basically one and the same. Yeah. yeah. Interest rates are basically annualized. So, mm -hmm. you know, 1% of a hundred thousand, that's going to be broken down over, you know, the whole year. So you right. may only have to pay three months of 1% or five months of 1%. If you, if you borrow that for the whole year, you're going to pay 1%. A point is one point is still 1%. Three points is 3%, but it's typically paid. Um, it's not it's annualized. It's, it's all it's due. Now it could all be due in the beginning. If it's points on the front end, right. it could be due at the end. If it's points on the back end. But it's and I personally try and negotiate everything on the back, even the interest. So but everything. with 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 hard money and private money, typically hard money has very structured, standardized policies and procedures. You pay your fees and your points on the front end at closing. You make your payments through the duration of the loan. Private money, you have more flexibility. That's a private individual that's lending their own funds. Then you can negotiate terms where you can pay your points. And even yeah. your accumulated interest at the tail end of the transaction when you close the property, which is obviously ideal because it cuts your your holding cost. Yeah, you guys nailed it. That, that, yeah. You, I couldn't have said it better myself. You nailed it. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's important. I know it's a bit more advanced, but people just throw the term hard money out. So I wanted to dive into that and just talk about it and break that down for for people to go. Okay, yeah, it makes sense, right? Absolutely. So that's awesome. Um, what other question do we have? Uh, Luke's got one here. It looks like uh, about the VAs here. Yeah, I'll click it. There you go. There yeah. you go. All right. So Luke says, do you guys use VAs for cold calling? If so, where do you find the ones who have great results? I call myself now, but want to get more outgoing. Luke, great question. Um, I'll start with this, but I want to hear your guys' opinions too. So I have three virtual assistants for cold calling. Um I, there's so many different places to find them mm -hmm. and you know, the results you're going to get are going to vary. And the reason I say that is, is, you know, if you hire somebody local, meaning like us based, um, which can still be virtual, right. Um, you're going to probably have a higher, uh, you're, well, you're going to have a higher cost most likely, but you're also going to have a higher percentage of them pulling a, a cold call into a lead. Right. So you're going to pay, you pay for what you get, put it that way. Um, so in terms of results, you know, if you, if you go find somebody at, you know, three or four or $5 an hour overseas, you know, they're probably going to have a slight accent. They're probably not going to know your market very well. Um, there could even be some delay in terms of the phone system, you know, pros and cons, right? If you hire somebody, uh, you know, us based, or maybe just somebody that's like excellent with English, you know, you're going to have less of, of the issues, but you're also going to have a much higher cost. Mm -hmm. So in terms of where to find those VAs, um, there is tons of places to find virtual assistants. Um, I know one of the places that, um, that I've found them recently is, you know, via Riva global, they have some good VAs. Uh, but really, I mean, like Upwork's a good option and uh, you can go to Facebook groups, you know, yeah. and find virtual assistants. I mean, there's like two or three Facebook groups that I've come across recently that have like 40 or 50,000 members. And the majority of those members are, are real estate uh, professionals or 
uh, virtual assistants looking to connect with a real estate professional. So that's that's right. my two cents on it. Yeah, and I think just just to add to that, and I agree with all what Dave just said. I think if you're new, Luke, and you've like, well, I've never had a VA, and, and how do I do it? When I started, the way I do it now and the way I started, I'm going to give you both versions. So if I was new, what would I do? I'd probably go into upwork.com. I'd do a very simple post to say, hey, I'm looking for someone that's got experienced cold caller, that's got great English. Okay. And Steady that has internet connection. Yeah. That, and that has um, uh, whatever dialer I'm using. Okay. Experience with the dialer that I'm using. So if it's Mojo, Batch, zen call any of them that's what i want to put on there then i let people apply then i send a second message to them and i say hey can you send me a one minute recording telling me a little bit about yourself so within that one minute recording only 10 percent will actually do it and then i can actually listen to who sounds good that's the that's the main thing i'm looking for and then the ones that sound good i will then interview so that's how I would do it if I was starting. You can narrow down really quickly. And within two or three days, you should have someone hired ready to go. And if you're unsure and you have a couple, hire both of them on a trial, okay, and see who performs better. Then what you do when you build it, we've all got VAs. I've probably got seven, eight VAs that work for me. I now have a lead VA. So now it even gets easier. My lead VA goes and finds all my VAs. And they manage that process okay so when you build this out and you get a good one that understands the way that you want to work the way that you want things done then give them the task pay them more and let them do the hiring for you that's what i would say love it yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna have somewhat of a different um take on this um and it's kind of a choose your damage do you want brain damage or do you want bank damage right so um, <laughs> and uh, so which way are you going to go so we actually did we, we you know we operate with vas as well we have lead manager vas and, and admin vas and different things like that in my organization we actually did try to do cold calling within my organization where we just hired the va directly trained them and managed them ourselves and that definitely caused some brain damage you have to manage them you have to train them you have to listen to their calls you have to lead um, if you're going to be hiring VAs, you either, either, or that, or you train somebody to do it for you, but somebody has to manage the process because no matter how great they are, there are ruts they fall into burnout. Um, they have bad days, they have internet issues. And, um, if you're not on top of it and managing it, that stuff starts to turn into kind of a cancer in your organization. So we ultimately opt opted to hire outsource to a service. I use two services. I use ISA, um, pros. And I use lead gen pros and I have two call cold callers from each right now. And both of them um, drop us some phenomenal leads. There isn't a particular reason why I'm choosing either one at this point in time. I just, one didn't have extra callers. I went to another one. So, but ultimately we chose to outsource it. They hire, they train, they manage the, the cold callers. If the cold callers are slipping or falling off in any way, shape or form, then they handle that brain damage. It cost me probably a little bit more than it would cost me at the end of the day to have the VA directly hired, but my time or my team's time now is not being affected by the management of those VAs. So it just depends on, you know, as somebody brand new, not knowing how to train and lead, your best bet might be going to a service that does cold calling for you until you figure out like KPIs, key performance indicators, what are those? That's a whole rabbit hole we can go down. Um, you know, what's the best dialer to use, you know, all that kind of stuff. How many calls should they be making an hour, you know, so on and so forth. Those are all things that if you don't have answers to those questions, you might be better suited just finding a service that fits you and uh, go that direction. I just want to throw that in there. 
man i i agree with what both you guys said absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. i i prefer to hire a service that has somebody that will help manage them you still have to manage the manager and or the callers but but the amount of time that you're going to commit to the management is going to be a lot less when there's a dedicated manager yeah um so that would be my my you know final final ah you know I think as well, it comes at the cost, doesn't it? Like how can, how much does someone have? Cause you're going to pay more to do that normally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like to have personally, I like to be dealing with them directly. Now it's not me. Now I have one person that deals with them directly, but I quite like that personally, but I do admit it is easier just for someone else to deal with it for you, but you don't, you're unsure in that when i've tried it is like is it is it them is it the market what, what is it you know well i think I, just, I, you know working with a service that provides the recordings i think is extremely important that's that's if then you can tell that like yeah. most services i use they drop the recordings into our podio with the mm -hmm. lead we listen back to the recording you know for instance you know when i jumped on the phones the other day i went through some of the recordings myself and i was like hey this this is not i don't even know why we're getting these this isn't yeah and we right. gave feedback to the, we gave feedback to the company and they're going to, they're going to make adjustments and you got to have a partnership. Even, even when you hire a company that you got to manage no matter what, let me just throw that in there. You yep. can't just, somebody has got to manage your business, whether it's you or somebody else, period. You either have a partner like Dave has a partner or you're doing it yourself or you have somebody in between you and the people like Gavin does, that does it for you. Somebody has got to manage it. And even when you outsource to somebody, it's not a set it and forget it. I think that's the biggest mistake people make yeah. right now in their businesses. They think that they can just automate and autopilot everything and never have to think about it and sit on the beach and pick their nose and work on their laptop. And that is not reality. Somebody has got to manage the process. What is being tracked makes you money. What is being watched stays efficient. And that is just a fact. So even when you outsource it, you need to be listening to the recordings and giving feedback to the companies you're working with because they want to improve too. They want to know that yeah. they're providing a good service to you. So uh, that's my soapbox moment. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, no absolutely. Great. That's, that's great. why we're here. It's, yeah. a, it's good to have a little discussion, see how it's uh, right. the, the ways that it can be done. Yeah. And yeah. even, yeah, I think the, I, the main takeaway I got from that is, you know, you, you got to listen to them. And if you don't like what's happening, uh, don't get mad. Just give them feedback. Yeah, you know, like, 100%. like I monitor, I haven't been doing it so much recently cause I've been busy, but I try to sit, you know, and monitor my, my callers you know, at least for 20 or 30 minutes at, at a minimum a week, sometimes for an hour or two even. And, um, you know, the I like Batch. I use the Batch dialer. But again, there's lots of different options out there. Uh, but with Batch and other options as well, you can you can monitor them and right. or barge in. And, I, and I'll even send them a message before, you know, sometimes I will, sometimes I won't before I'm monitoring them because I don't want them to think I'm like spying on them. I'm doing this to give them positive feedback. They, you know, and I also bonus my callers when they get deals. So they want positive. They want feedback, right? Even yeah. if it's not necessarily positive, they want to know how they can improve. I mean, you're yeah. dealing with people, you know, so just go into it with, you know, hey, we're in this as a team, even though you may work for me, we're still on the same team. So, you know, you're doing really good at this. We could maybe make some improvements over here. And here's how, you know, yeah, so absolutely don't just hire and forget. You yeah. gotta, you gotta be, be there. You gotta be around. You need to monitor, and yeah. even if you have an, a manager monitoring them, you should still jump in and, and help. But also, you know, just provide feedback because that's really what they're looking for. Yeah.
We have one over here from Erin that kind of takes us in a different direction, but uh, she asked if we can cover creative financing, uh, basically how to do it and their exit strategies. So um, do, do you guys do a lot of creative stuff? Um, you know, I don't do a ton of it. I'm actually starting to do some, we're actually, we have three or maybe even four on the board right now that we're going to sell on. We're going to sell on terms. We're going to do creative financing on the exit. Um, I've done some creative on the acquisition. So the, so that's, that's kind of a two part question. You know, yeah. you can use creative financing to acquire and you can use creative financing to disposition to. Right. Yeah. And there's a couple of different strategies. So, I mean, let's let's maybe just talk about, you know, we'll talk about both, of course, but on the acquisition side of things, um, you can you can acquire with the subject to mm -hmm. you can acquire with owner financing, you can acquire with lease options. And there's probably more than just those three, but that's kind of the main three. Right. And um, there's pros and cons to each. And of you them. can. I mean, not the sub two, but you sell on owner finance and lease option as well. And then you can sell on, and Gavin's the lease option guy here, man. We got, right. we're, we're blessed to have him on the, on this. I with don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we are going heavily into it. So I've actually got a, a partner on the creative finance now, Dustin, who's done a ton of deals. Uh, and um, yeah, we're going heavily in back into creative financing, getting ready for when this market, whenever something happens, we're, we're setting up and getting ready to take it by storm. So we are actually heavily focused on it right now over the last- On the acquisition side? Yes. Nice, nice. So then yes. to flip the script, guys, there's, there's, there's creative finance on the disposition, on the selling side. So you can also do lease option on the disposition side i wouldn't recommend subject two because that would mean somebody else would be taking over your loan assuming you have one uh, or yeah or options, yeah or dispoing subject two i'm, I'm worried you about that dispo yeah. a subject two and basically sandwich yeah. it or you yeah. just get out of the way yeah. make a wholesale uh, fee something along those lines um i think the, my my most they're the most interesting at least to me uh would be being the bank so in terms of creative financing selling a property to somebody um, that, you know, can't get a loan and essentially collecting a down payment and charging them a monthly mortgage payment. And yeah. we're working on, like I said, three, maybe even four right now where we're going to do that. And we're going to, and we're going to get loans from our bank and then wrap those loans. So we'll actually, you know, own the property. I shouldn't even say that we, they will be on the deed, right? But we'll have an underlying debt. And then we'll wrap that. And that's a whole different ballpark, of course. Uh, but the benefits of that are you can you can arbitrage the bank money. You are not the landlord, right? You are the bank in this case. Um, so you don't have to deal with the maintenance. And then, of course, you know, if they don't pay, then you would just foreclose like any other lender would and take the property back. So the cool thing I like about the about that particular model, and that's why we're starting to do some, so I'm, I'm kind of dabbling at this point, um, is you know you can charge nine, 10, 12, maybe as much as 15%. Now there are rules, Dodd-Frank has, has definitely made some changes and I'm no pro at this, um, but you can charge a much higher interest rate than what you'd be paying, assuming you have a bank, a bank loan on it. Uh, but also let's say that I go get a property that I pay a hundred grand for, and I have, you know, just simple math. I have a 5% loan 
and I turn around and I sell that property for 140,000 at 10%. Well, I'm arbitraging that first 100,000 from 5 to 10%, but on that other 40%, I'm getting the full 10%, right? So that's that's kind of the play that I'm taking with it in terms of uh in terms of the owner financing. But again, acquisitions is one side, uh, yeah. acquisitions is another. I think as well is it's a great question, but it's kind of one that you can't just answer because yeah. every strategy we could dive into. And when, when you get, it's, it's called creative finance for a reason, because it's very creative and you can do things like 300 different ways to get the outcome. Uh, one thing that I would say though, if you knew is make sure you get the right training um, and don't start, start taking things over sub two. If you don't know what you're doing, uh, that would be, I think of the wholesale deal, when you're making an offer and you're locking up a property, you can get back out of it. You have an inspection period. It's very simple to understand, right? If it's too high, you can get out of it. It's no big deal. But when you start trying to get people out of foreclosure or take over a loan and, and get it up to date, and I mean, now you're playing with, with a different motivation of person and, 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 and you can mess things up. And I don't say that to scare anyone because I think they are great. You can help a lot of people. Um, but that'd be just my, my two cents as well. Um, you know, in there. Yeah. I, I mean, I did sub two for five years, uh, from 2003 to 2008. And we just literally closed about a week or so ago on a sub two property in, uh, Columbia, South Carolina. So, um, we picked up as a rental sub two. Um, it's a strategy I know backwards and forwards. And I know really well, um, with any creative financing comes responsibility, um, uh, because you're, you generally, uh, working with somebody that's not completely sophisticated like a bank would be, and you're making a commitment to them to either pay their mortgage or to pay them. And so however you structure it, you just got to make sure you honor that responsibility. Um, and whether it's in how you purchase it and take it over yourself as a rehab or a buy and hold, or if you're going to wholesale it and dispose, you know, there's a lot of talk out there and sub, you know, buying something sub two and then wholesaling sub two is pretty popular. Um, you know, I would make sure that whatever buyers you work with, if you're going to do it, that are completely vetted because you're selling the seller, I'm believing in you. And then you're handed off to somebody else and you're losing control. And that can turn into a whole thing. The only property I've ever been sued on was a sub two property. I oh, shouldn't no. say the only, only one I've ever been sued. I've, I've been in this business long enough. I've sued people and been sued a few times, but my only creative, uh, well, I take that back. The only property that was the transaction type that I was sued for was a sub two property. So I just want to throw it out there. So, yeah. yeah. So just, just deep, do a deep dive, learn the yeah. strategy, figure out if you're trying to do creative on the front end or if you're doing it on the back end, right. there's lots of different approaches. Aaron, thanks for the question. It's actually a really good question, but it's, a, it's, it's a little too broad. Um, there's tons of different ways to do them. And, uh, but again, we would highly recommend that, you know, you learn them inside and out before you, you know, still go start running with them. Uh, because again, there, there, there's pros and cons to everything in life, guys. We know that. Uh, but you know, especially when you're doing creative, it's not mm -hmm. all, it's not all black and white. And that's and no. just like Gavin said, you know, you can get, you can get really creative in some scenarios, yeah. um, which can be great, but there's also, there's also some downsides to that. So just, just be mm -hmm. careful when you're doing that. Type yeah. Of stuff. yeah, for sure. So, a lot of money you made it though. Definitely a lot of money uh, made in that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. I might have, uh, Donnie, you just last question on this. Are you doing many yourself or are you focusing on wholesale and flips? 
wholesale. I know you flip. just did a, a sub two. I know yeah. you said that, but it's it, it. You know, it's weird. It's it, it, the weird thing about creative financing is you you gotta it, you gotta be intentional about it. Like you gotta be intentionally looking for creative finance deals. There's a few people out there that that's all they do. They teach it. They know it backwards and forwards, and <clears throat> that's all they do. When I was doing um, sub two, that's all I looked for was I would buy the property sub two. I bring in a private money lender for the rehab. And, um, and I would flip the property and my mindset was only there. I never even thought about hard money or private money and financing the deal. I looked for creative financing and they were everywhere. Now yeah. my mindset, I've had, I have the money available. I have the private lenders available or fix and flip. And I, I, I'm in the mindset of we buy cash, we buy cash, we buy cash. Yeah. And it's like the, it's like, you know, the horse with the blinders on, right? All yeah. I'm seeing is what I'm looking at. And yeah. So I, I don't see the creative deals. Um, and, and, and that's just because it's not what I'm focused on. So I will say that whatever you focus on is abundant. Um, and whatever you don't is not, and that is, Absolutely. that is a fact. And, uh, so we do do them. We just did one, um, but we don't do them a lot. And the only reason we did this one is because the numbers were too tight for us to do as a flip. And I just threw that out there. My acquisitions person asked the seller if they would want to do it. And they said, yes. And we did it. And it's the first one I've done in a while. Nice. Okay. Yeah, well, we need to talk. We, uh, I was going to say, we need to talk because I'm working on a few things that we might have to do something with. So well, let's, let's, have, have, a, let's have a conversation. Let's I know, conversation. I know that strategy backwards and forwards. I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. I can make it easy for you though. You just hand right. them over and get you paid. Right. Anyway, uh, awesome. What was that, Dave? Uh, uh, as you got, lease you got a question here. Is the lease option an excellent newbie strategy? I, I think with any, because it's in the creative book again, right? I think. The thing is, is that you need to be able to position yourself better on the phone, right? In creative, in, in a lease option. There's more moving parts when you're new. Now, it's a nicer conversation when we're dealing with lease options because we literally can have a conversation where you give them what they want, right? And, and you can give them the rent if you're assigning it. So it's an easier conversation. You're not beating people uh, down on price. So it's good for that. Where it Where it becomes sometimes hard for newer people is that, Okay, now I've got to get the contract. Then I've got to go and get a buyer to put into it. I've got to assign it. There's just a lot more moving parts in it than there is in a cash deal. So I would say also I would add it depends what market that you're in. If you're in a, something like a California, if you're in um, places like Phoenix, uh, then I do believe creative finance uh, is, is definitely a way to go because you're competing and, and you might not want to put the, the marketing dollars in to find the wholesale off-market deals that you need to, right? Um, like Don, Don's in California is one of his markets. I don't know what his ad spend is, but I know it's going to be a lot more than someone in Ohio, right? Mm -hmm. Or Michigan. Or, and, and people that are new, aren't, don't, they don't want to drop five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars $8,000 to get a return and get one deal, right? Where in lease options or in creative finance, it's definitely, I think, an easier conversation because you know, people will, uh, you'll be able to give them what they want. You're, you're negotiating less, less equity if you're going to stay in the middle and you're trying to cash flow it. So I, I would say, um, yes, it is under the right circumstance, depending on what you're trying to do. Um, I believe it is, but you, again, you need the right training. You, you can't just go at it. I think wholesaling is, is much easier as a start and, and it's much simpler. It's not easy, but it's simple. The, the hard bit in wholesaling is actually the doing part, right? Hallelujah to that, guys. It's not necessarily easy, 
but it's incredibly simple wholesaling yes. specifically, yeah. but lease options too. really all yeah. of this stuff in this real estate business guys, fix and flipping, uh, wholesaling landlording. I mean, it's not easy. None of it's really that easy. Let's be simple. honest. But yeah, then again, simple. what in life is, you know, pays great dividends and makes you a lot of money. Mm -hmm. That's easy. Nothing. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, it's incredibly simple. So yeah, yeah just keep keep that in mind. You and I will say, I will say one thing on that: that if you are new, you will need to be partnering with people that know what they're doing in the, your market, mm -hmm. because you're going to simplify it. If all I had to do was just find a contract and get a deal, and then I can go to Don or whoever and go, "Hey, I got this deal. Let's partner. Let's JV." And you've built a network with that person. They're going to kind of guide you through and get you paid. That is the biggest thing that I can give anyone, regardless if it's wholesaling or creative finance. Go and focus on one component, the first two steps, and then go and JV with someone that knows what they're doing. That's what I would recommend. Love 100%. it. We got another one here from Dylan. Do you use a title company when doing creative financing? Or, you know, is that all done or can be done through a notary? Can I yeah, answer I'm this? gonna let you or yes, I'm getting excited. What do you guys think? Tabletop closings are for morons. You use a title <laughs> company for everything. Ask me how I know. Ask me how I know. <laughs> no, Dylan, great question. Thank you for being here today and asking and watching all of us knuckleheads here. Uh, but Don, you nailed that one. That is a fantastic question, guys. I will, I refuse to buy a property outside of a title company. Right. Somebody could come try to offer me a property that's worth a hundred grand for $15,000. And I won't do it hmm. unless I can go to a title company and get the title insurance. Reason being is, is because if I can't sell it, then I'm just going to have to then go try to convince the next sucker to buy it from me via a notary or via quick claim or whatever that is. Right. So I think everybody on on here at this point will agree, you know, title companies in some states, maybe closing attorneys, whatever, yeah. right? You should always go mm -hmm. through the proper channels, make yeah. sure that you are getting title insurance because a property that you can't sell is the biggest liability in the book. And let's Literally. explain that. Let's break that down. So what that the, what what happens when you buy a property? Um, and you don't use a title company, you've broke the chain of title. Even though there is a transaction history, there's a paper history, because it was not an insured transaction, you broke the chain of title. A title company will not touch that. They will not close on that, period. End of story. It will not happen. They're going to require you to go back and try to find everybody that was involved in a transaction. They're going to have to sign affidavits or new deeds or whatever, depending on your state and your title policies. And that is a nightmare. I used to do sub twos. I used to, what I used to do is I would, when people would be in foreclosure, I'd have them sign the deed. And then I would go send the bank the, the um, reinstatement check um, to reinstate the loan, I'd overnight the reinstatement check. And then I would have them go ahead and I'd hold the deed as security and I'd have them go through title and um, go ahead and we get title insurance and we close and I would just submit the deed to title that way. It was really risky the way I did it. Believe it or not, it was that was a risky way of doing it, but at least I had some protection. There's a few times where somebody got swirly on me and I just went down to the town and recorded and I recorded the deed. But then I had the headache of having to jump through hoops to chase the people down to sign off the affidavit so I could ultimately dispose and sell the property. And that was a nightmare. But 
But you also have the added caveat of no matter how good of a researcher you think you are, there's always going to be something in those situations that's going to pop up during a title search that you missed that's going to catch you off guard. It may not happen the first time, the second time, or the eighth time that you do this, but that ninth or 10 time when you get caught with your pants down, it's going to be in a very expensive lesson. And that is where I say, ask me how I know. So something that you thought you knew, you're a great researcher, you went down to the court or the county and you searched something, you thought there was nothing there, that will catch you off guard and it's not going to be cheap. Yeah, it's not going to be cheap. Absolutely. And the process of quieting a title uh, basically, let's say that, you know, you buy something via a, via a quick claim or, you know, through a notary in this scenario, and it's not through a title company or a closing attorney, and there's no title insurance. And Don mm -hmm. said it best that you've basically broken the chain of title. And maybe it wasn't even you that did it. Maybe it was somebody, you know, prior, right? But when you follow in those footsteps and you want to then go sell the property and your buyer isn't okay with that, they shouldn't be because we aren't, and uh, you shouldn't be either. Uh, but you have to go through a process called quieting the title and you have to hire an attorney to do this. And that process is not quick. I mean, on average, I'd say it's eight to, to eight to 12 months and it could be longer. longer. And yeah. if somebody then in the process of them, you know, contacting the previous owners or owners heir, whatever, you know, tries to state claim to the property, then it's going to be even longer and it's going to cost even more money. And you may even lose the property after you paid for it. So guys, if you take away anything from this, from today's, you know, today's call, stay away from quick claims, unless it's like, you know, within your internal organization or, you know, that's the only reason that I would ever allow a quick claim is if I'm quick claiming it from one of my companies to another. But even that should probably go through a title company to get title insurance, because when you go to sell it later, it's just going to, it's going to prevent all your problems. Right. And, and that's the cool right. thing about title insurance i mean think about it what is title insurance let's go there who can answer that because i don't even really know the answer to that but i know that it's an insurance policy to basically help you sell the property if there's any issues that occur right so who, well who yeah so most about title insurance? so a title a title company or a title insurance a title attorney will do a title search so go through and they'll do a title search in california they give us a prelim or preliminary title report that says this is what we found against the property. Either there's the XYZ owed, back taxes, mortgage, um, whatever, um, or there's nothing owed against the property. Maybe there's HAOA dues that are in collections or in foreclosure. They're gonna go through and they're gonna do a search to see if there's anything. Does the person have a judgment against them? Um, was there a break in the chain of title? Is there a mortgage from 40 years ago? We run into this all the time, a mortgage from 40 years ago that may or may not have been paid off, but was never reconveyed or, you know, essentially a document a to lot, the yeah. county that says this was paid off as a reconveyance. So, you know, is that there, is that going to be an issue? Like we have to do, there's a special process we have to go through and we have to get a bond um, here in California. It takes about 30 days um, to insure against that old deed. I mean, that old, uh, the old note, if, um, if we can't find proof that it was paid off. So they do all of that. And then they insure the transaction saying we did all our homework and it's clean. They're insuring a clean title. So you're buying this property saying, my title is clean. It's safe to buy this property. Nothing's owed against it. Nobody's going to ever come back and stake a claim. If somebody comes back and tries to make a claim or if something's missed, you're protected. And you're protected. You don't have to pay that. The title company pays that. I had a transaction one time where they had sold to us and didn't pay off the previous owner's back taxes. And then we turned around and sold it and they didn't pay it off then in the title. For whatever reason, they missed it. And it was over $5,000. 
and it, the new seller got the new buyer got a bill for that back stuff. Our current stuff was paid, and um, title company covered that. It was a small one, but title company, I didn't have to cover that. So ultimately, at the end of the day, they're saying this is clean. We've searched it. There's nothing there. And if something pops up, we're going to pay that for you. So that is the reason why you want it, the reason why you need it, and the reason why everybody asked for it. Man, that Dylan, great question, though. And thank yeah. you for asking. Thanks for coming and watching today. Keep them coming, though. We love it. That's awesome. Guys, we all have a hard stop today. Uh, we have about one more minute. I want to encourage yeah. everybody to go over and join the Facebook group. I dropped a comment uh, with, with um, the link, uh, but the Facebook group is called Coffee with Closers Live. Um, and yeah, I just wanna encourage everybody to join that. Also, if you want weekly, um, it's, you know we haven't sent a ton of the stuff out yet because this is only episode three, but we are working behind the scenes to improve and you know make this better, of course. We're very passionate about helping everybody here. But if you text FLIP, F-L-I-P to, let's put this up on the screen. If you text uh, FLIP to 314-310-5221, uh, we all have access to this phone here. And uh, this is a texting only, so you can't call it, but we will, so we're gonna start sending out, you know, some weekly tips and tricks uh, to help everybody, right? We wanna, we yeah. wanna help, that's, that's the goal here. Yeah. So guys, anything you wanna end with today? No, we have a great question here. Unfortunately, real estate rod, we're not going to be able to really jump into it. I will say that if it doesn't look like a deal and somebody uh, isn't going to want it, that's probably not a deal. And I wouldn't waste my time on it unless you're going to keep it yourself. We won't jump into the, the full yeah. point. If deal doesn't have enough spread, but um, you know, we'll, we'll dig into that next time. And we'll say, maybe save that for a question for next time. And we'll jump into that one when we start the next one next week. So yes. Awesome. Very, awesome. Very cool. Guys, as right, always, guys, it's been a pleasure. Can't wait till next week. I know you guys are going to crush it this week. Close some deals yes. for me. And uh, yeah, signing off, right. guys. Thanks All for right. watching. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.